chemistry is, well, technically, chemistry is the study of matter. But I prefer to see it as the study of change. Now, just, just think about this. Electrons, they change their energy levels. Molecules, molecules change their bonds. Elements, they combine and change into compounds. Well, that's, that's all of life, right? I mean, it's just, it's the constant, it's the cycle, it's solution, dissolution, just over and over and over. It is growth, then decay, then transformation. It is fascinating, really. How you guys doing? They know you're alive. That's all I want to know. Okay, I'm gonna do a little housework here. Um, is it just me? And I didn't say anything to Pete this morning. Is that not from Breaking Bad? Okay, isn't that the teacher that learned how to do crack and solitaire? I just, I just wanted. I, I want to make sure. I, I never did watch the show, and a lot of it is just because that time of night I try to dumb down as much as I can, but. Um, I saw that today. I saw a guy with passion, but in the back of his eyes, I'm thinking to myself, I know what the passion is. You're getting ready to sell something. A bunch of kids were sitting in your classroom, but I don't know if that was true or not. Um, I, in sermon preparation, started thinking this week about things that go on in life, and I'm an old person, and being an old person, I have to go to my old models of how I see life play out. And one of my favorite movies was made back in 1985, came out, and it starred Michael J. Fox, and it was called Back to the Future. My, Back to the Future somewhere crosses all the generations and schemes because it's one of those movies that when it was made, it was talking about something really, really true in all facts of life, that no matter if you want to go back to the past, um, you can't. And if you had the means to go back to the past, everything that you do in the past would affect today's future. And as I sit there and I watch that movie, I watched Marty McFly sitting there. You remember that one, McFly, McFly? His dad was getting smacked in the head in the diner. But um, there's a lot of scenes that I carried out of that movie, and I was sitting there thinking, I want to talk about going back to the future. Because a lot of times today, we dwell on our past. We do. Um, When you're as old as I am, there are things that happened in your life that will never happen again. Number one is this, that when I was growing up, we never locked our front door, nor most of the time did we ever close our front door. I can remember taking 10 cents and riding my bike up to a drugstore and buying a bottle of Coca-Cola And sometimes if the guy was nice enough, he would throw in a piece of penny candy. I made money when I was a kid going along the roadsides, and I collected bottles because bottles had a value of five cents. And when they went to 10 cents, we kids, we went absolutely bananas. It was just like a pay increase. It was like Obama raising the the, uh, wage. But anyway, we're sitting there, and we'd take all this money and all these dimes, and we'd go to the store, turn in the bottles, and I had this old guy named Bill in Alexandria, and Bill used to try to get us to trade penny candy instead of taking the money. So 
I've learned a little bit about doing business with people, that I'd rather have the money. It cost me 80 cents to go swimming at the Brass Key, which was the swimming pool. Um, I could, for a dollar and 20 cents, I could eat at any restaurant I wanted to. Um, I can remember buying cheese conies at the Gold Star because it was the Gold Star to where it started. Um, and I think they were 45 cents or 50 cents apiece. Um, it's how I worked on my girlish figure all these years. I could eat throw, really throw those things down. And being old, you know, I appreciate it. And there's things that in my past that are very, very appealing to me. But I wouldn't want to go back. Because over the years I've grown and I've gotten to build relationships and friends in my life. And I would jip myself out of that. I have three wonderful children. Don't ever tell them I called them wonderful in public. They won't believe you. But I have three wonderful children. I have a wonderful wife. And of all the things that I've gone through in my life, I sure wouldn't want to change that. But I still want to talk about back to the future. And I want to use the three or the four letters that come from the word life. The first piece of scripture I want to read to you is out of the book of Philippians. And it's chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. It says this, you can see up on the screen. Um, It says, press on toward the goal to win the prize in which God has called me, heavenward, in Christ Jesus. And verse 15 says, all of us then who are mature should take such view of things. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. And I've chose that piece of scripture because there's a lot of times in our lives when we're sitting there and we're focused on all the things that have happened to us in our past, good and bad. Um, I told you the good things, bad things that happened to me. I watched my mother die of cancer. Never going to get that image out of my mind. Bad things that happened to me in the past. I told the story in one of the services this morning that I was coming back from Cumberland College and three of my friends and I were driving north on I-75, and we got to Richmond, where there used to be a rest area. And as we got there, a guy that was on the inside lane decided he wanted to go to the rest area and cut me off. And my car literally rolled down the interstate. My car was square, and by the time we stopped, it was round. It was a cylinder. Um, Luckily, and blessings uh, were with us that day, and all three of us walked out of that car, Um, Things that I wouldn't want to relive in my life. But when I look back at the past, I realize that it's all right. It's all right to look back at the past if I don't try to live in the past. Have you ever met somebody that they're stuck in the past? A lot of times it's parents. I'm slapping somebody. See, I mean, I say that. I know somebody's slapping um, usually you blame parents or grandparents, you're living in the past, it can't be that kind of thing. But really, I can tell you that when I went into the banking business, there's a lot of people that seemed like they lived in the past. Um, I remember when debit cards came out. And a debit card was not called a debit card, it was called a genie card. And they had all these great commercials on about genie and I can remember rolling up when I've got my first genie card but I remember a lady coming in and telling me at the bank that oh my gosh I don't want one of those cards because it's the mark of the beast 
It was, it was in times in her mind. It was, it was proving true. The Bible was going to come. And pretty soon Satan was going to be on his throne. And we were going through. Tri- I mean, she went through the whole thing at the bank. And I'm sitting there going, uh, just calm down. I mean, you know, I'm looking at it then. I think I was 23 years old. It's progress. And she was so fixated on it. And, and you're telling her, just calm down because you can't live in that past way of thinking. But she was bound and determined to do it. And what happens in, in life if you live in your past, you'll never learn anything from it. So the Ellen life is this, that it's all right if you learn from your past, but you keep moving forward. And anything that you do, and I'll tell you this as a Christian, the things that we go through in our lives, a lot of times we wallow in our pain and our suffering, and we pretty much look back and we say, man, we waste a lot of time on that because the truth is that God is with us during all those times. We're the ones that fixate on it. We're the ones that hang on it. And if we're ever going to make a difference in this world, if we're ever going to be the best friend to people that we can be, if we're ever going to be able to share Jesus with somebody, we've got to get over those kind of obstacles and pitfalls that seem to be bringing us back. And a lot of times they're just the things that have happened to us in our past. There's a clip of this movie I want to show you because as I move on to the next, uh, the letter I, um, it really bounces out at me because I can remember this part in the movie when I saw it. And it was a, it's very depressing or it's, for me, it, it takes you from a point of low to high really quick. And it's when Marty realizes the fact that he might not be going home. I've been so careless. 1.21 gigawatts! Tom, how am I going to generate that kind of power? It can't be done, can it? Look, all we need is a little plutonium. Oh, I'm sure that in 1985, plutonium is available in every corner drugstore, but in 1955, it's a little hard to come by. Marty, I'm sorry, but I'm afraid you're stuck here. Whoa, whoa, Doc, stuck here? I can't, I can't be stuck here. I got a life in 1985. I got a girl. Is she pretty? She's beautiful. She's crazy about me. Look at this. Look what you wrote here, Doc. I mean, that says it all. Doc, you're my only hope. Marty, I'm sorry, but the only power source capable of generating 1.21 gigawatts of electricity is a bolt of lightning. What did you say? A bolt of lightning. Unfortunately, you never know when or where it's ever going to strike. We do now. That's it. This is the answer. It says here that a bolt of lightning is going to strike the clock tower precisely 10.04 p.m. next Saturday night. If we could somehow harness this lightning, channel it into the flux capacitor, it just might work. Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Saturday's good. Saturday's good. I can spend a week in 1955. I can hang out. You can show me around. Marty, that is completely out of the question. You must not leave this house. You must not see anybody or talk to anybody. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Do you understand? Yeah, sure. Okay. Marty, have you interacted with anybody else today besides me? I'm... 
Yeah, well, I might have sort of bumped into my parents. Great Scott! Let me see that photograph again of your brother. Just as I thought. This proves my theory. Look at your brother. His head's gone. It's like it's like it's been erased. Sorry, we're not going to show the whole movie tonight. Um, everybody goes, what are you cutting off there for? Uh, I could hear you quoting the movie back here behind me, too. That's very cool. Um, when I think about that scene, something dramatic happens. Emmett's sitting there, and he has given up. I mean, he's thrown up his hands. There's no way of getting Marty back. Enjoy yourself. You're not going to get to live in, in 1955. But the truth is that when he flips that paper around and he shows it to him, did you see his face? It was almost like, you know, the greatest revelation that's ever been put. And all of a sudden, he goes, that's it. And he gets so excited that he immediately, his, his brain processes start. And he starts spitting out, I've got an idea about this, and I've got an idea about this. I, told, I tell people this. He was as excited about that as I am when I'm standing at the end of the conveyor line at Krispy Kreme. When all those little Krispy Kreme donuts are coming off there. I mean, I'm just sitting there like a little kid going, come on. How many, much money do I have? My, kid, my wife's going to kill me because I'm going to buy four dozen of those things this time. But, I mean, just that kind of excitement. And being a Christian, if I don't get stuck in my past and get stuck in all the, the muck and the mar, and I start working as I should be today, I want to involve myself in somebody's life. And that's what he did. All of a sudden, Doc is involved in the situation, and his mind is thinking. You know, I've been here at this church for 17 years. And in 17 years, I've gotten to uh, be a part of some wonderful things. But one of the greatest things I get to do is every once in a while I get to go um, on some really, really neat mission trips. Chris went one to Guatemala this year. And as a Christian, I'm sitting there thinking about all the opportunities I've been. I've been to Poland, I've been to England, I've been to Wales. Um, and I can't wait to get there. And when I get on site, the thing that excites me is I usually run into people that don't have any clue about who Jesus Christ is. And I kind of get off the plane or off the bus or out of the car, and I'm going, all right, now we've got an opportunity. I've got something that I want to share. And I ha- try to have that same kind of excitement, enthusiasm, to tell them about Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the one that gives me a purpose for my future. He is the one that guides me. He is the one that's walking beside me. See, here, here's the truth about it. When it comes to your future, we sit around and we stress about it, and we're trying to figure out what's going to happen if I do this and if I do that, exactly what's going to happen. There's only one element that we never give credit, and that is God. Because in all those times, you need to understand that nothing that happens to you, nothing in your life that you will ever experience is a surprise to God. It might not necessarily be the choice that he wants us to make. But it doesn't surprise him as we go through life that we have certain experiences in our life. And when I go out on the mission field, that's how I want to be. I want to be involved in people's life. And I want them to know as tough as life is, 
what they're saying to me doesn't make me want to pull my hands up or run away from them. I want them to know that I want to be able to experience life with them. And I want to walk alongside of them. It's one of the things I love about this church is because I've got people that even though I'm a pastor, they call and text me every day. Things that they say are, I'm praying for you. I got home today after preaching the sermon, and I had a message from a, a dear friend of mine in the church, and um, she just she just lifted my heart about what um, she took out of the sermon today. And when she did that, I read those texts. And I'm sitting there going, "It's not about Jeff, because church is never about one person. If it is, we got a problem." But church is solely about Jesus Christ. And that takes me to the third uh, letter in there, and it's F. Everything that we have to do, we have to focus on Jesus Christ. It's what this service is about. See, here's here's the truth. You, You don't see Chris like I see him during the week. Chris will come in my office, and we'll sit down, and we'll have some hard, hard talks. And just just saying what we're going to say, he would love to see this place packed on a Sunday night. And it's not because he wants people to come up here and listen to him play. It's not because it has anything to do with his salary, because he's going to get paid no matter what. He has a burning desire to be walking alongside of people and making a difference in their life. And in my old years, I thank God every day that there's younger guys that are coming up behind me that have that same kind of passion and that love and that desire to see Jesus Christ going on. And I hope that you see that. I hope that when you're conversing with him, you hear it. Because, I mean, that's the way he is to us. I mean, he's always uplifting, and he'll walk in our office and say something. Sometimes he'll say something smart. I'm like, won't he, Pete? Yeah, sometimes. But, for the most part, we can always count on Chris saying, I've got your back. I'm praying for you. Something I need to do. And it, it really lifts your heart. That is what it means to be focused on Jesus. Not because he's drawing a paycheck to do it, but because that's where his heart's desire is. So here's one thing I'll tell you about ministry. Uh, you don't do it for the money. You don't. You do it for the experience and the love and the passion of seeing people come to know Jesus Christ. So I think you, we're always blessed on these Sunday nights. We have people like uh, Chris that are willing to take the time and plan it. I say the same thing about Pete up there. Because Pete's always up in the crow's nest. But I know that when he's planning and doing his part for the audio-visual thing, there's a reason why he wants to do that. Because he knows that that might relate to somebody. It might really reach out to somebody. So that's another part about the future. I am so glad that it's in good hands. And we have to trust and focus on Jesus Christ because he's the only one that knows the blueprint and how everything is going to turn out. There is a verse of scripture that goes with that. It's found in um, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And I don't have it. Did you put it up? Okay. Uh, on On that piece of scripture... Um, it just basically says this. It's the apostle, or it's the people that are talking, Apollos and apostles and disciples. As they wrote the book and they're talking to the Hebrews, 
they're talking to them in a way that they want them to understand what is at the end. And there's a statement that's made, and the statement is this, that when you run the good race, when you fight the good fight, the glory is when you reach your goal at the end. Now, running a race is nothing new for me. It is the only way that my parents could get me into college. They made me run track so I could get a scholarship. I don't look like I could run, but I used to be able to run. Okay? Fat, dumb, and stupid is not how I've always gone through life. Let me just say it. I have two daughters. Love them very much. Brianna and Brooklyn. Brianna started running years ago, ran cross country, and she's now in high school, and she focuses on basketball. But my youngest daughter, Brooklyn, um, she's very special to me because she is one of those people that is very intent. She'll look you in the eyes. People always say, well, Brooklyn's not happy. Brooklyn never smiles. Brooklyn will always give you that straight face. But don't ever question her heart because her heart's as big as anything. And when she sees people hurting, those are the times that she comes to me. And I'll tell you a story that happened just yesterday. And in both services today, when I told the story, I started crying. And I had somebody bring me tissues. So I'm going to try to get through this. Um, but yesterday, I was down in Williamstown in all the beautiful sunshine that wasn't. All the rain, all the cold, and all the wind down there. We're on a hillside, and she's running cross-country meet. And Brooklyn's never going to be a top 25 athlete. She's not going to be doing it. She runs for two reasons. She runs because Dad encourages her to do it, but she also runs because it's something that she likes to do. There's mornings when she doesn't want to admit that, but she does. Brooklyn is very intentive. During the week, she'll be over at Idlewild Park, and her coach will put through the paces, and they'll run four to five miles. Um, her races usually consist of two and a half miles, and the reason why they stretch that out is so you're never tired when you're in your race. And she'll go out there and do it. And Brooklyn is what I call a chugger. When she's in a race, she's just chugging along. She never, she never changes her speed. She never tries too hard. She's not, it's not that she's given up, but she knows that she's got to save her energy for the whole race. So yesterday, I'm out, and if you've ever been to a cross-country meet, you run across fields. I get more exercise than she does. I run farther than she does. I go across the field because I have to be over here when she passes this point, and I have to tell her her times, and I say, okay, this is what you need to be doing. Brooklyn, I love her to death because she will scream back at me. She did it yesterday. I know. You don't have to. Every other kid in that cross-country meet, nobody's saying anything back to their coach, but here I am standing out there as a father getting screamed at. It's okay. Brooklyn comes across the finish line, <clears throat> and when she came across the finish line, she came whipping around, and I knew that she, had, you know, her time was uh, about 22 minutes, I think, but they ran a 4,000, and it was all uphill, and uh, she came over to me, and she's bawling, and she buries her head right here in my chest, and she looks at me, and she goes, I'm sorry. And I looked at her, and I said, what are you sorry for, hon? And she says, I didn't win, Dad. I said, honey, it's not about the winning. It's not about trophies. It's not about the medals that you get. <clears throat> it's not about having your name and standing on the podium. I says, you run the race right. Guys, this is the trick about life. It's not accumulating all we can. 
This world will tell you that the one at the mo- with the most toys at the end wins. Guys, I do enough funerals to tell you the one with the most toys, they go in the same box in the same graveyard with everybody else. But where is the finish line for you? When we run the race like God intended at the end, not here on earth, but when we're in heaven, that's when we receive our prize. The last one of the letters, which is E, it says expect great things. God makes a promise to me in the Old Testament. He says that I want to bless you and I want to prosper you. And a lot of times we in this very selfish world, we're so inward focused on ourselves, we're thinking about money, we're thinking about houses, thinking about guitars and motorcycles, if you're Chris. Um, in, my, in my case, you know, you're looking for Chick-fil-A coupons and stuff like that. Okay. Whatever prosper is to you, whatever your definition is. But the truth is, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about giving you the elements in your life which are the precious things, the family and the friends. Guys, I might not have a house to live in someday. That all might get taken away from me. But at least I know I've got some friends that will put up with me for a little while until I find myself and find my feet back on the ground. That's how you prosper in the important things in life. But you should want to do this because it's that relationship with God that's important to you for no other reason. Back to the Future, it's a great movie. Well, the last thing I want to say to you tonight is this. I encourage you that if you've got baggage, if you've got stuff that you always dwell back to, when you've been married almost 30 years like I have, when you have an argument with your spouse, one of the ugliest things is you churn up the past. Leave the past in the past. Another great line from Jesus Christ to one of the disciples was to let the dead bury the dead. And that statement is just let all that stuff go and focus on your future. Know that nothing that happens in your life is going to surprise God and nothing that you choose to do or anything that happens to you in your life is going to cause God to go away from you. He's always there for you. And if you walked in this room tonight and you don't know what this thing is, this relationship with Jesus Christ, that is exactly what I want you to know tonight before you leave this place. It's the most important thing. Maybe you already have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you've been focusing on the stuff over in your rearview mirror. Get out of it. Get busy. Get involved. Find ways to affect people in their life. Go out and visit someone that doesn't have friends and be a friend to them. Serve in a soup kitchen. Go on a mission trip. Change your whole perspective of what you're living for. And get right with God in the premise that I want to push on through that race so it matters only when I cross over and I claim that reward at the end. I love talking to you guys because this is like youth to me. You guys are sitting there, except you're a lot quieter and you smell better because usually they all come into youth and they all smell bad because they've been running around. But the fact is, I just want you to know tonight you're loved. And anything that we can do at Burlington Baptist Church to make you feel more inclusive, to understand how much you're loved, to experience a kind of faith like you've maybe never 
done it before, don't hesitate to let us know. And as Chris and the guys are going to get ready to play, um, I'll stand up here. But if you've got anything that you want to talk, just come on up. We'll talk through it. Communion's available at the side. I always tell people that's my restart button. So a lot of times in my life when God and I are kind of on two different paths, in that, ta- that moment that I take communion and just have a little bit of prayer time with God and do that one-on-one thing, allows me to kind of reset that. So just let you know the altar's available. We're here to talk with you, communion, anything that we can do for you. But just thank you for being here tonight. Quit looking over your shoulders and move into your future.